please rise for a singing of the Faith FM intro in E. Welcome to Faith FM. You're listening right across Australia. And the Faith FM Network. 87.6, You're with Lawson and Gemma. <laughs> That was amazing (laughs) (laughs) So I come in here this morning and I say to Shell I'm like, oh, I got something I got a surprise I got something special for the intro She's like, really worried (laughs) And then I saw Gemma And they're just sitting there like, what could it be? Well, that's what it was (laughs) (laughs) I was so worried For good cause though Like, that was, oh wow Oh wow, Lawson (laughs) Welcome to Faith FM. You're here with Lawson and Gemma. This is a reminder, you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the tune in radio app. Um, <laughs> Gemma, what are you grateful for? Other than that intro this morning? <laughs> wow, that was okay, awesome. But, you know, actually, I am thankful this morning for smoothies and oh yeah true right and the reason that is is working at the juice bar Mm -hmm. i like get smoothies nearly every day because i'm here i'm at church i'm you know in raymond terrace a lot and the juice bar is amazing so i get smoothies but when i'm at home i don't get them over the weekend so then i have like a hankering for a good smoothie or a Mm. craving for an excellent smoothie so i pulled out my blender from the cupboard that's been collecting dust and i made one yesterday (laughs) and it was amazing so that's what i'm thankful for what about you lawson I mean, I got a juicer in the cupboard that needs it. It's got some dust on it. Do needs it. A, Pull it out. It's so good. Oh, look, what am I grateful for? Okay. Um, England didn't win the World Cup. You're thankful for that? Yeah, relatively. Like, I'm, I'm not, not a huge England fan. But coming up after this, I'm going to be talking about who did win the World Cup because it was an amazing game. It was an amazing spectacle of, uh, of rugby league. But, uh, yeah, we are so glad that you're listening to Faith FM this morning, of course, continuing on with our uh, coverage into the relatively foreseeable future. What have you got to talk about today, Gemma? I don't want to give it away. Oh, just give us a taste. Okay. Have you seen the movie Madagascar? You know, the cartoon animated. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Or the movie Castaway? Yes. Tom Hanks gets trapped yeah, on an yeah, island. Yeah, All those kind that of movies. movies. That's yeah. the hint that I'm giving you for my good oh, news story okay, coming sweet. up. Okay, sweet. Awesome. Yeah. I'm going to be talking about football and rain. Oh, cool. There you go. So, <laughs> we are so glad that you're listening to this morning. Right now, this is Johnny Cash with When the Man Comes Around. And I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. There's a man going round taking names. And he decides who to free and who to blame. Everybody won't be treated all the same. There'll be a golden ladder reaching down. 
when the man comes around. The hairs on your arm will stand up at the terror in each sip and in each sup. Will you partake of that last offered cup or disappear into the potter's ground? The man comes around. Hear the trumpets, hear the pipers. One hundred million angels singing. Multitudes are marching to the big kettle drum. Voices calling, voices crying. Some are born and some are dying. It's Alpha and Omega's kingdom come And the whirlwind is in the thorn tree The virgins are all trimming their wicks The whirlwind is in the thorn tree It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks Till Armageddon, no shalom no shalom Then the father hen Will call his chickens home The wise men will bow down Before the throne And at his feet They'll cast their golden crowns When the man Comes around Whoever Is unjust Let him be unjust still Whoever is righteous let him be righteous still. Whoever is filthy, let him be filthy still. Listen to the words long written down. When the man comes around. Hear the trumpets, hear the pipers. One hundred million angels singing. Multitudes are marching to the big kettle drum Voices calling, voices crying Some are born and some are dying It's Alpha and Omega's kingdom come And the whirlwind is in the thorn tree The virgins are all trimming their wicks the whirlwind is in the thorn tree. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. In measured a hundredweight and penny pound. When the man comes around. Spooky. <laughs> what an ending. <laughs> what a banger. <laughs> that was Johnny Cash's when the, with When the Man Comes Around. We are, <laughs> we are so glad you were joining us this morning on Faith FM on this lovely Monday morning, 4th of November. Okay, so we've got 
a clue for the quiz, right? That's yes. that's how we start the show. That's how we Man, start the show. And it is Monday. Yeah. It's like we're just you're just getting building back into up. It. We're like a steam train. We're yep. like just you know shoveling the coal in. The momentum. Yeah, we're just it's getting building. that momentum yeah. going. So okay, give us some first clue for the quiz. Today's quiz is a what book am I? Oh, okay. Oh, Kane. Right, you That's, ready? That means it's one in 66. So, so y- your odds are good. Yeah. Your odds are good. Okay, so the first clue is the word suffer is found more often in this book than any other book in the Bible. Suffer. And it was found seven times, just to help you out. If you, if you knew that off the top of your head, seven mm-hmm. times the word suffer is used, so that's the most that it's used. Well, here we go. Lawson's got a guess. Bum, Man, I have no idea. Incorrect. I'm, I'm like that, that was, was a solid guess, though. Like that was that was a pretty good guess. Okay. Like because that's what I was thinking. Somewhere in, I, I see where you're going with that. Yeah. Your train of thought. So you're close. Okay. All right. I'll give it another clue. But of course, if you know what it is, you can call us up and get a prize completely for free. Given that you know what it is, I always say that. I'm like, yeah, call us up and get a prize for free. But then I have to remind you I that have you to have to know. The answer. You haven't got the answer yet. Yeah, so that means that they could potentially get double prizes. I know. So here's your chance. Give us a call. Send us a text. 0491-064-669. Or give us a call. 1-800-324-843. And you could win a prize. Double mm. points if you beat Lawson. Yeah, two prizes. That's a- Amazing. All right. What is happening in the realm of positively different news? So I gave you a bit of a clue. Oh, yeah. Before, in the form of some movies, but it really doesn't have anything to do with that. Um, <laughs> Good. <laughs> I, was, I was alluding to something. But, you know, we, you hear the stories. They do it in movies all the time. But, you know, you hear things when, you know, people get stuck in an island or, you know, they get, they get, um, they're in the middle of nowhere and, and they need help and they need to be saved and they, and they need rescue. And basically, that's what happened to a couple who are up in the Northern Territory. They mm. were exploring and they were driving around, going for a cruise, checking out the sites, and their car got bogged. And they got oh, completely right, stuck for 26 hours, okay? Completely stranded. Tried, you know, reception was pretty dodgy. They tried to stick, you know, rocks and twigs and things oh, under, the, under the car wheels to try and get themselves out, but it wasn't working. So they, mm-hmm. were, they were stuck there for 26 hours. But what I thought was really, really cool is the way that they were found. So what they did, like a lot of times you hear in these movies, is they, they wrote help in the sand, Mm. in the dirt around where they got stuck nice and big with a big arrow pointing to where their car was. So 26 hours later, when the emergency crews and the air and the land patrol went out trying to find them, they were actually spotted because of the big help sign that they'd written on the ground. Oh, nice. And I was like, that actually happens? When that- I read this story, I was like, I thought that was just something they made up in the movies. But this yeah. couple <laughs> in the Northern Territory were found because they wrote help in the sand. When that's their car awesome. got bogged, I was like, wow, that's actually really cool. But the other thing was they were praised by emergency teams for like staying near their car mm. and not wandering too far. Cause when you're in those situations and you know, you kind of, you want to be rescued and you need help and, you, and you're stuck, you know, often people will like go for a walk or try to figure out, you know, where oh, the, yeah. find other people. But they were praised for the fact that they stayed near their car also because they were bogged like near a river. And we're talking Northern Territory here. And they were actually, they had seen crocodiles earlier that day. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So they were they were given huge praise by the emergency teams for staying near their car. They didn't have mm. any they didn't have any food, um, but they had tons of water, so they could have you know survived longer. But it only took twenty six hours. Yeah, and they they were rescued, which was pretty cool. Oh, nice. Um, Lawson. Uh huh. Do you know how many weeks it is until Christmas? 
I'm going to assume it's like eight. Seven. Seven weeks. Seven weeks, two days until Christmas, Mm -hmm. which is pretty exciting. I'm not like a huge Christmas person. Mm, Neither am I. I'm not not like a huge all all for Christmas, but I did read this story and I thought it was super cute. So there was a five-year-old boy um, and his name is Jack and he's just been given an awesome opportunity um, as Jack has a chronic kidney condition um, and he spends... And he will spend Christmas this year in hospital, uh, in the Women's and Children's Hospital down in Westmead. And basically what uh, Amazon, you know, the company Amazon have done Mm -hmm. is they've said, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to give Jack the opportunity to test toys. Oh, legends. For Christmas. So what they're going to do is they're going to donate and they're going to send across uh, all of these different toys. the top, mm. the year's top 100 toy list, because apparently that's a thing. There's a there's a top toy list out there. And so what Amazon have done is they're going to send out these toys to different kids across different hospitals uh, through the Starlight Children's Foundation, where like mm. they raise money for kids that have different diseases and illnesses and things like that. So what they're doing is they're going to send Jack uh, toys for him to use. $40,000 worth of toys from Amazon are delivered to unwell kids across this country. And I was like, how cool is that? That's awesome. That's amazing. I was actually just looking up on my computer right now. I was looking at the top 100 toys. Yeah. And um, I'm glad to see there's some, you know, there's there's some cool ones there, but Jenga is number three. Classic. I'm like, yes, because Jenga is a great game. Jenga is like top five best games of all time, easily. So if some kid's getting Jenga to test out... I'm stoked. Such a good game. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really cool. And so, like, is this something that Amazon's looking at, like, continuing? I know it's their Christmas thing, but, it, it, you know, is and is this more widespread than, because you said down in, in, in Westmead, is this more widespread than that? Like, is this, a, and does someone get, like, a toy each or? Yeah, I mean, I hope so. It said there was $40,000 worth of toys. So, I mean, if that's $40,000 worth of toys just going to Jack, then... Ooh, lucky him. <laughs> but, you know, I'd hope that they're going to yeah. Yeah, more kids, um, yeah, across who, you know, you're in hospital. Fully. Hospital's not a fun place. It's so definitely not. to bring any kind of joy to hospital is, you know, absolutely amazing. And it's such a cool thing that they're doing. Something else. Mm-hmm. Now, have you noticed the new $50 note that's come out? This isn't oh, exactly yeah. new, new news, but it's yeah. like... Mm-hmm. The new fifty dollar note. The new fifty dollar note. Nice right? and has clear parts. It's in nice it and stuff. has clear parts. Did you know something else that they have done to the new Australian notes that was not in the previous notes, other than the clear section? What did they do? So they put uh, little bumps for vision impaired for Braille. Oh yeah, nice on the notes, which is really cool because old Australian currency didn't have that. So mm-hmm. the, you could tell the we're lucky because our notes are different sizes. So you they would still be able to tell, you know, if they were getting the correct change when purchasing something, um, if they knew the measurements of the notes. But, like, that's really hard. Like, close your eyes and try to, you know, with the old money, yeah. try to figure out if you're holding a 5, a 10, or a 100. Like, really, really difficult. Yeah. So, this is something super cool that the Australian government has done, the Mint has done. They've put out all of the new notes have little bumps on them, and you can tell uh, vision impaired or, you know, you read Braille, you can tell which note you're receiving because of the little bumps on it. But... That in itself is really, really cool. But what I discovered is that um, the idea for this uh, came from a 15-year-old boy named Connor. 
mm-hmm. um, and he is vision impaired and he wanted to, to do something to change this problem. So he and his family and his mum helped him do up a big petition. So they tried to get yeah signatures from across Australia and they ended up getting yeah heaps of signatures, so much so mm. that when the first one was the $5 note, yeah. yeah, the first one that changed was the $5 note. So when they brought that out, um, that was largely due in part uh, to Connor and his family who started this big petition to get that done. Oh, that's amazing. I thought that was really cool. And Australia isn't the only country that has um, like Braille on their notes, but mm. there's not many out there. We are like easily, which which is interesting, we are leading the way in money note technology, basically, which is interesting because Australia doesn't lead the way in a lot of things. That's very true. And, that, and that's because like Australia is an amazing country to live in that is very, you know, very first world and mm. very ahead. But I feel like we're just off, off the cusp of really being a leader at anything because mm. of our unique situation, um, you know, geographically and the fact that we don't have, you know, we're a small population and whatnot mm. but it's good we're just like killing the banknote game yeah, we're just like it. we're out here we're just winning big yeah. time yeah well vision australia said that there are 30 sorry three hundred and sixty thousand australians who are blind or vision impaired so the fact that mm. these notes are now including something that's helping them to be able to live their ordinary lives daily lives a little bit better a little bit easier to be able to do normal things that we take for granted mm. like just to be able to you know pay for something with cash and not have to worry about receiving the right amount of change like it's something that we all can do very easily so it's just awesome that you know, we've got that happening now that there's, you know, mm. vision impaired people have that ability now to be able to do something. Yeah, that's amazing. That is so good. We are going to continue on with our show. Right now, this is Jaden Lavick with Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. Saved a wretch like me I once was lost But now I'm found Was blind But now I see Oh, 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 thank God I'm free It was great
Welcome back to Faith FM, continuing on with the show into our next clue for the quiz. All right, I want to I want to get it this time. You said my last guess was good, so I'm like close. I said it was close. It was close. Okay, you're in the general. I'm not going to give. I'm going to give okay. actual clues. All right, from, all right. You just give me another okay. clue. This book was written to encourage believers who were being persecuted for believing in Jesus. Oh, oh Lawson's <laughs> face just lit up. <laughs> So quick, if you know it, call okay. it and text it in right now, or you get you get two prizes. Encourage believers who are being persecuted. Okay, he's, he's thinking that's it's written to encourage believers. Hmm. <laughs> Wasn't every book in the Bible written to encourage believers who are being persecuted? Um, you want to have a guess? Oh uh, yeah, I'm gonna have a guess. Um, but yeah, so double points. Double prizes, still up for grabs. This guess is nothing Unless like my Lawson other guess. So. It's correct. No. Oh, man. sorry. You're closer. I'm closer You're with closer. that guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. You're getting it. You're okay. Get, I feel like okay. next clue you might get this. Yeah, right. Oh. You're closer. That These was good. clues are so general. There's no. There's no like quotes. Mm. Like. So you get you'll get a little bit more specific with the clues as we go. All right. Oh. But yeah, so prize still up for grabs, 0491-064-669. Send us a text and the prize is all yours. Makes my skin crawl when I can't get it, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's have a look at some, some current news happening right across the, uh, right across the, right across the world. First thing I wanted to talk about, I mentioned before, England didn't win the rugby and that's because South Africa won the rugby. So, um, South Africa won the rugby world cup. It's the first time they've done that since the, uh, the beginning of the, um, Sorry, it's the, yeah, the third time they've done that since the beginning of the competition, since the beginning, you know, the forming of the Rugby World Cup mm. that happens every four years. And, um, it's actually very significant. So you might be sitting there like Rugby World Cup, like. Yeah, for somebody who's not really into sports and doesn't really follow sport, I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Why the, is, why is that significant? The, the Rugby World Cup. Well, I think it's significant. For South Africa. Mm-hmm. The first time South Africa won the, the Rugby World Cup was in the midst of a very, very dire political situation. Okay. Basically, it was in the midst of the, um, the prime ministership of Nelson Mandela. Mm. So, he was the first post-apartheid um, president. Oh, president? No, they're prime ministers. I'm prime pretty, minister. Yeah. Prime ministers in South Africa because they're part of the Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he was the first ever pro- post-apartheid um, prime minister. And at that time, you know, it was a very, very challenging situation uh, in South Africa. There was a lot of hurting. There was a lot of struggling. You know, they're, they're going through real adversary um, because of the apartheid um, and because it had just been thrown over. And because Nelson Mandela just kind of came from you know, going to jail for 27 years to president, you know, the country was in a very rocky situation and the Rugby World Cup was something that kind of united the place. It was that they all had this one common hope and aspiration. It didn't matter if you were were black or, or white. It was like, hey, we're all going for the same team. And, you know, at the moment, it's it's no secret that South Africa is in a very similar po- political situation. Mm-hmm. I know a number of South Africans who have who have moved to Australia because of the struggles that they're having over there, because of the heightened violence and the 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 different race wars that are going on um, between you know people who claim to be traditional owners of land and whatnot. Just awful situation. And so to see South Africa uh, win in and amidst that much adversary, um, it's it's just a good thing. It's like. 
you know, it's it's uniting. It, it sort of holds people together in one common hope, which is a very, you know, it's a very Christian theme, I think. Um, you know, to come together united in, in a common hope. Um, I know you're kind of looking at me now, you're like, is that a bit of a stretch? And I'm going to say, <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit of a stretch, but I think it's something that incites peace through unity. So I'm like, hey. Yeah, okay. Cool. Peace through unity. I'm See all how that. we go. But now, um, moving on from the Rugby World Cup, of course, we have to talk about something this morning. Something I talked about last week was the fact that parts of Western Queensland um, that were heavily in drought got a big amount of rain. And everyone was, like, stoked because of that. But, of course, here in New South Wales, we're still very, very, very much struggling uh, with the doubt. Uh, the, the, the doubt, drought. the drought. There we go. We're struggling with the doubt. We're struggling <laughs> with the drought. We're struggling with everything here in, in, in Western New South Wales. Um, but amazingly, yesterday was giant storms mm. that absolutely smashed, like in a good way, um, parts of Western New South Wales, like at Western, Northwestern New South Wales, parts that have been very much struggling with the, the drought, you know, agricultural, um, parts of New South Wales that have just been bone dry yeah, that have yeah. been struggling. Um, for example, like we see in, uh, in Burke, I believe they got 28 millimeters of rain, uh, which is, which is huge. That's actually the largest they've had since 2012. Uh, let's look here in Coba. They had 27 mil, which is the largest they've had since 2017. You just read through all these stories. There were some areas that that received up to 100 millimeters of rain, which Mm. is just huge, well needed. And and the article I'm reading now has just got all these photos of kids jumping in puddles and farmers doing headstands and running around in their in their undies. And they're just like they're just stoked. This is something I talked about last week. How this. Uh, drought is something that's been so dire to the point where, and this has happened a number of times mm. over the last 15 years. We think about the droughts in the early 2000s that led the government to build, you know, desalination plants. They were like, it's never going to rain again. So we're going to like take water from the ocean and desalinate it and recycle it. Um, they've been getting to the point where they're like, oh man, it might never rain again. You know, maybe global warming or something's been pushed too far. It's never going to rain again. When you see, you know, a couple of years without rain, that's huge. And it's like, I, I earnestly believe that when the weather turns around like this, the good of the people, I'm like, man, this is an answer to prayer. Absolutely. Like, there are so many people praying for this situation. There are so many organizations out there helping this situation. I, I just fully believe that, yeah, we live in the midst of a gnarly, Great controversy, um, where, where good and evil is battling in realms that we can't see. And I just fully, you know, it wouldn't be too much of a stretch to say that that's going on in our, in our weather. Yeah, absolutely. And so to see, um, this happening, to see rain falling and to see, you know, parts of, of Australia that have been affected so much, not to where it's just a, a physical reality, but also it's a, it's a mental reality. It's emotional reality where there's just been, you know, huge struggle with these farmers and supporting their families and all these things. Um, yeah, it's good to see them get a break. It's amazing. The last thing I wanted to talk about, I want to take a little bit of a, like, like that's awesome. I think we should just relish in that for a little bit. Just like have a moment of silence for how good it is to be a farmer right now because of this rain. All right. Continuing on. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to quickly talk about this. This is a story that's been developing over most of this year, and it's basically the political situation in Hong Kong right now. Mm. So, essentially, there were giant protests in Hong Kong 
over um, a law that was enacted by the the government of Hong Kong to extradite people to China. Um, that basically they were like, okay, so if you've done bad things in Hong Kong, like if you're a, a crim- what we deem to be a criminal in Hong Kong, you can be extradited back to China. And now Hong Kong, the residents of Hong Kong were like very angered by this because they were like, we are not a colony of China. We don't want anything to do with China. We don't want to be controlled by China. We want to have freedom. We want to have liberty. And so therefore that set off these giant protests where like very violent, very hectic, you know, we're talking about storming political buildings and yeah, I remember you know, seeing photos and videos that it was all over the news a while ago. It was hectic. huge, yeah, fully hectic. So then eventually the Hong Kong government, they repealed the law. Mm. They were like, okay, we've heard the people because it was the, the, the protest was so dire to the point where Hong Kong went into a recession, basically. And so they repealed the law. They were like, okay, we've heard the people. We don't want to do that anymore. But something that I find interesting, I wake up this morning, I, I, I read the news and there are still giant anti-government protests going on in Hong Kong at the moment. Like, very violent. Like, people, you know, lighting barriers on fire, throwing petrol bombs. Uh, these are, again, this is the 22nd week straight where police have had to respond to the protests with force, like throwing tear gas and, you know, with barriers and stuff. That's nearly six months. It's nearly, nearly six, six months. months. Constant, wow. constant protests, even though they repealed the law that they were protesting about. And what I see here very clearly is this has become more than just a situation of like, oh, we're fighting over a particular law or whatever it may be. This has just become a situation where men's hearts are stirred up to violence. And it's continuing on. It's it's heavy, and, and it's a sign that we're coming close to the end times. Right now, this is the City Harmonic with A City on a Hill. And when it's righteousness that you seek is beautiful, beautiful like a city on a hill.
The Breakfast Show, bits you may have missed. Joining us on the, uh, on the phone this morning is Dr. John Ashton. Dr. John Ashton joins us uh, once a month to talk about the subject of creation and evolution. He is the author of many books on this subject, um, one in particular being the book Evolution Impossible, and we have been drawing material from this book for this series of interviews. Of course, his book is available from, uh, I guess, all good bookshops, uh, Better Books and Foods, is where I bought my copy. But, uh, Dr. John Ashton, welcome to the show. Hello. Good to be on it. Now, I understand this morning we're talking about fossils again and, uh, of course, the uh, the missing link fossils or the missing missing link fossils. Would that be a better way of describing it? Well, that's right. They're certainly um, the intermediate uh, fossils that are claimed um, by uh, many of the, the textbooks, in actual fact, aren't there, yes. Well, so this is an interesting question because, you know, if we look at the fossil record, we would expect that uh, this is where we would find uh, the most hard evidence for the evolutionary process taking place. Uh, in fact, we could say that we would expect it to be beautifully documented in the fossil record. Is that what we find? Well, no, um, but th- this is certainly a, a very misunderstood area, and uh, a number of you know popular authors uh, try to find and talk about um, uh, particular intermediate fossils that demonstrate the um, the evolution uh, uh, series, and uh, you know, for example, in uh, talk about whales and sometimes I will describe uh, you know how some of the bone structures are, are similar to um, you know bone structures of uh, you know sort of other uh, mammals and humans and so forth but the reality is and this is very important that we find that in the fossil record particular species suddenly appear fully formed fully developed with no sort of series of descending or series of ancestors slowly evolving into that particular species. And this is a, a very important point. And, um, you know, the, the top um, paleontologist 
recognise this. And, and geologists like uh, Stephen uh, Gould and so forth and um, David Rolfe and the, these sort of people um, who are leading experts in their field, they recognise this. And I was only reading just recently in John Lennox's book um, um, that um, uh, God's Undertaker, that, and, and he, he finds the same thing and he questions the, the same thing. Why do these people cling to the theory of evolution when there is absolutely a lack of evidence in the fossil record, whereas the fossil record should be this record of evolution? And the reason that he only, and the reason that he says is the only reason that they can deny that evolution did not occur is because of their worldview. They have to have a worldview where somehow there is a mechanical origin of life. That, that's the bottom line. And the reality is that the fossil record does not show a gradual evolution of species. They appear suddenly, fully formed, and then they become extinct or they disappear from the fossil record or they continue on unchanged. And the other important factor is this, that the fossil animals that we see fully form stay the same over millions of years. And this is um, well, you know, uh, beautifully illustrated, for example, with the colicans. That's uh, the fish that, um, you know, they thought became extinct, you know, 40 or 60 million years ago. And then they find species swimming around in the Indian Ocean. And the same is when we look at fossils of things like crocodiles and, they, and so many species, they, they haven't changed. We've got dragonflies and these sort of insects preserved in amber. They haven't changed. They're the same as the modern ones that are, you know, flying around today. And so this is the important, another important thing. The species that, uh, we, we observe many species that over, you know, tens of millions of years, they haven't changed. They've been the same. And the other thing is, when we look at, the, say, the insects, uh, the fossils of the insects, they appear in the fossil record with flight fully developed. Now, flight is really complex, involves you know, amazing structures of the wings of insects, the muscles and so forth that control them. There's no evolution of that um, in, the, um, in the fossil record. Uh, you know, and this applies to many things, you know, flying uh, predators, birds, bats, they all suddenly appear fully developed in the fossil record. Now, of course, we hear these stories about, you know, sort of dinosaurs slowly developing feathers and they slowly evolved into birds. But in actual fact, the evidence for that is missing. That The structure that, you know, the, the scales that some people uh, have early on interpreted as possible feathers on the uh, dinosaurs, but there's a big gap, gap between that then and the structure of the feathers on birds. And again, leading uh, paleontologists have pointed this out, uh, but it just doesn't get into the textbooks. It's not pointed out to the young people. Yeah, John, that's a fascinating thought. I think it was uh, last time we spoke about what's called, I think we call it the geological column. Um, well, that's, yes. So when we look at the geological column, there's certainly, uh, you know, you find more the shells and fish and so forth at the at the bottom and there's a, a greater uh, amount of mammals and so forth at the top. But what we forget is that we do find mammals mixed up with dinosaurs and we've found fossils, for example, of, you know, um, mammals with dinosaurs uh, in their, you know, in their stomach that they've eaten. 
this sort of thing. Um, and so there is a lot of things mixed up, and a lot of the, the separation that forms the so-called geological column would be the natural sorting that we would find if there was a if there was a disaster, and, and you'd naturally expect to find marine and water-type creatures on the bottom because they're already in the water anyway. And this is and larger animals are likely further up, and you know more intelligent animals perhaps further up as well. Mm. So it could equally be described as you know either an evolutionary common column or a survival column. Yes, yes, yes. That's a good way of. Uh, of, of putting it, and I, I think that's very realistic. We have to, uh, you know, recognise that this uh, the flood was an extinction event, and not only is there the the, the and, and this is recognised by geologists, and you know the geology textbooks talk about this, and they talk about there were a number of extinction event, events, about four or five different extinction global extinction events, separated by millions of years. Um, but of course, when we look at the strata that represent these um, different extinction events, we find that in many places they conformably overlay one another. In other words, there's no signs of erosion or anything in between. So again, we've got this very strong evidence that these uh, four or five major global extinction events involving water all occurred at the same time, or you know, and they were the flood. So, you know, the, the evidence for the biblical flood is there. It's just that, uh, you know, scientists and leading science authors are very reluctant now to interpret it that way. And I, and I guess, you know, we've talked about radiometric dating before. Um, and, you know, people get these big ranges of radiometric dates over these uh, particular columns, which have led them to, you know, believe that these are over a range. Whereas, you know, as we know, if we date uh, rocks that we know the ages of of being only hundreds of years or tens of years old even, we can still get millions of years dates and we get a range of dates depending on those rocks. So, you know, when we look at objectively at the overall evidence that we have, the fossil record doesn't point to evolution over millions of years. Yeah, because I'm just thinking about that geological column. Shouldn't it have uh, a variation of creatures that, with, with variations that are so minute that you've just got a continual blend all the way through from modern species back to primitive species with every t- tiny variation in between? Well, that's right. If we look at, say, the evolution of um, humans from some ape-like ancestor, which they say you know, uh, presumably occurred over several million years, um, we should find this gradual change there. And the same would apply from fish to amphibians, amphibians to reptiles, you know, reptiles to birds, all these sort of things. We should find this gradual progression in the geological column, at least somewhere, because, you know, the, the surface of the earth is large. We've been, you know, drilling for oil and mining, and there's lots of places where people come across the cross-sections of uh, strata, uh, particularly in modern time, there's been massive exploration uh, occurring and drilling, and that's not what we find. We haven't found that. Instead, what we find are examples of huge deposits of animals suddenly being wiped out, uh, extinction event, and they're all, all mixed up. That's what we find in the fossil records, a record of extinction not a record of gradual change. Now, John, um, just, just looking at this concept of gradual change, 
in your book, you mentioned a couple of examples. Feathers is one of them. Lungs is another. What exactly would it take? What re- what changes are required for for, for a uh, a marine creature to go from gills to lungs? And what would be you know the mechanism that might drive those changes? Well, of course, we don't know what the mechanism is, but what they claim is, of course, that there's a, an advantage in finding food in the animal being able to survive under drought conditions and they, you know, take all these sort of scenarios. But what has to happen is enormous changes to the genetic code. So if we looked at the difference in the genetic code between gills and lungs, you've got millions of data points, millions of letters that have to change. Totally, you know, not just one or two genes. A lot of genes have to change. We've got totally different biochemical processes taking place. All the different minute structures that constitute the, the lungs have to change the breathing mechanisms, the muscles that control them, the actual physical structure, um, the membranes, all these sort of things, the muscles that are involved, they all involve a huge amount of change. The nerves that control the muscles, the blood vessels that feed the the different uh, structures of the, the lung and so forth. And to make those changes is an enormous amount of genetic code has to change. That all has to change by so-called random mutations that occur in the offspring and then the offspring has to breed with another offspring to produce those uh, changes so that those changes continue on the same. So they've got to then be locked in, not just a random mutation that occurs and then it just uh, peters out or fails. And this is, again, what people fail to find, that for these mutations to occur, you've got to have a parent. Uh, Both parents have made the two gamut cells come together and they have to come together with a defect, a permanent defect in in those gamut cells. And those defects then have to be uh, propagated on to offspring and not die down. In other words, when it mates with another uh, creature, there's correction mechanisms. That's why uh, if, and if one part of the DNA is not lining up properly, the correct part usually takes over. Otherwise, we'd all be full of mutations. And for the same reason, we don't marry a near relative in case they have the same mutation. Now, when this mutation first occurred, it's got to find another creature with a similar mutation. So you've got to have similar mutations occurring at the same time. And secondly, though, you've got to have a huge number of these mutations occurring. And then fourthly or thirdly, you've got to then have these mutations have to cause changes that are then in harmony. In other words, they build up, they all work together. Uh, And we know that through randomness, this is highly unlikely to occur. Matter of fact, when we do the maths, it's absolutely impossible. And that's why we say evolution is absolutely impossible because the mechanism to produce the new meaningful code on the basis of random mutations is absolutely impossible on the basis of statistics and maths, and we've done so many experiments in that area. We know it works. Um, and so this is, uh, you know, one of the things that really frustrates me, that this isn't really strongly pointed out to the students and why the lecturers at university that are continuing to teach evolution um, are blind to this obvious fact that has been known since the 1960s that on the basis of probability 
evolution is absolutely impossible. Mm-hmm. John, fantastic to have you on the show again today. And, uh, yeah, always so insightful. You challenge our minds every time you come on. Um, of course, that's Dr. John Ashton, who has written, amongst other books, uh, this book called Evolution Impossible that we've spent this time uh, exploring here um, on a monthly basis and will continue to do so through the year. Um, if you'd like to get a good copy of that, uh, Better Books and Foods, um, probably Kurong and other good bookshops will have it available. I feel like a little girl in this fallen world And I get terrified unless I know you're with me it's a troubled place, but there is beauty too. Wherever we have and completely blocked you, Daddy, don't go. Don't ever leave. I need you with me. I need you here, Father. I know that you'll never go. You'll never leave me. I see that we're tired by a lack of love But we keep performing to try to keep up We get so confused Cause we are so lied to Truth gets so hidden and hard to find We weren't made for this We weren't made to die Only happiness was meant to Are you looking for a way to turn your life experience into an enriching gift for helping those around you? A counselling degree at Avondale College of Higher Education could provide you a great foundation to assist others through life's difficulties. Study in a personalised environment alongside a fantastic support network and community on our Lake Macquarie campus. Apply to study counselling today 
at counselling.avondale.edu.au. It's higher education, designed for life. Are drugs or alcohol a problem in your life? Alcohol Drugs Assist, or ADA, is a 12-step recovery program designed to help you escape the hold of addictions in a friendly and judgment-free environment. ADA meets regularly, and if you'd like to attend, give Peter a call or text on 0487 907 879. That's 0487 907 879. You're listening to Faith FM. Positively different radio. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, help me stand. I'm tired, I'm weak. And I'm one Through the storm Just long 